to my little friend. Folks, and welcome to episode 51 of Say Hello to My Little Friend. I am your host, Glenn Peoples, and episode 51 is a little bit different. You see, a few days ago at our, our church here at Broderick Road Chapel in Wellington, I was privileged to be able to deliver the Good Friday message. And it's it's not a, an in-depth or scholarly interest type subject of the sort that I would often explore here at the uh, Say Hello to My Little Friend podcast. But a lot of people have said that they'd be interested in hearing it. And I thought, well, why not? Uh, now, the, the Good Friday service at our church is intentionally set up uh, for people who perhaps come along uh, to Easter services or Christmas services who wouldn't normally come to church. And let's face it, there are quite a few people like that. So it was the intention was to, to really deliver the message of the crucifixion of Jesus to people who don't typically hear a lot of sermons. So it's not intentionally in-depth, or certainly I don't explore any technical fine points, but I'd like to think it was pretty interesting. It was quite well-received. But it's the Good Friday message, and that's never really going to change. And here it is, (laughs) the Good Friday message of 2014 as it was delivered by yours truly. It must be nearly Easter again. And you can tell, because every time Christmas or Easter draw near, suddenly the media becomes interested in the sensational stories. Not in not in the Easter story or the Christmas story, but the sensational stories. New evidence. Jesus never existed. Shocking revelations that the church rewrote the Bible and suppressed the original true Gospels. This just in. Jesus had a wife. Now, it doesn't matter if those things have been seriously discussed by historians and New Testament scholars and that there is a consensus that the sensational claims are just not true. So what? You know, sensation and scandal is what people want to hear. So that as Easter approaches, we dare not think about what it really means, but instead we're caught up in as many distractions and scandals and excuses to look the other way as possible. Now, one of those distractions, one that rears its head from time to time, in certain forums anyway, is the idea that really the Christian story about Jesus, the God who became one of us and who died for us, is copied from dozens of other ancient myths that came before. Horus, Osiris, Dionysius, Mithra, and others. That's another talk. It's one that I've given before, but the short story is that at the historical level, it's just not true. If you look at the lives of these mythological figures, they didn't get crucified. They didn't have 12 disciples. They didn't rise again, uh, and they didn't atone for the sin of the world. So the parallels just aren't there. But as I said, that's another, another talk all by itself. But 
There is something to say here about myths, ancient and modern, and the gospel. The gospel is actually the truth behind many of the myths that we know. Now, what do I mean by that? Modern myths, let's think about modern myths. We don't, in our culture, have the, the storytellers who sit around the fire in, in the town square and, and pass on the myths or the stories. What do we have? Well, we have movies and we have books. People do still read books, but, but movies are probably a bit more popular uh, in our culture, maybe. I want you to think about some of the best movies that you've seen or the stories that you've read or just some of the most popular movies. Here's some, here are some examples of the kind of thing that I'm talking about. In Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, probably the best Star Trek movie, First Officer Spock, in order to enable the crew to escape being obliterated, goes into the engine room unprotected to, prepare, to repair the warp drive, knowing that he will be exposed to lethal radiation. He does. The crew is saved, and Spock dies. In the blockbuster hit Armageddon, Harry Stamper, played by Bruce Willis, becomes the hero of the story by sacrificing himself, going out onto an asteroid before it hits the Earth when the remote control for the explosives had weren't, wasn't working for some reason, I forget why. And he blew it up in person, losing his life. Let's go to a book in Charles Dickens' classic, A Tale of Two Cities. Sidney Carton, who had been seen as a no-good drunk until now, steps in and tricks Darnay into switching places with him so that Carton goes to the guillotine in his place from where we get the well-known line, it is a far, far better thing that I do than I have ever done. In Star Wars 6, Return of the Jedi, possibly the best Star Wars movie, it's a toss-up between that and The Empire Strikes Back, Anakin Skywalker, now known as Darth Vader, sacrifices himself to defeat the Emperor and save his son, bringing balance to the Force. In Gran Torino, Clint Eastwood's character, Walt Kowalski, lets himself be killed by gangsters in order to save the life of Thao, who would otherwise have confronted the gangsters himself and almost certainly been killed. In I Am Legend, the book and the movie, Robert Neville, played by Will Smith, allows himself to be killed by the mob of monsters. Actually, in the movie, he pulls the pin from a grenade and takes some of them out too, so that Zoe can survive, keeping with her the cure for the disease that turns people into monsters. Robert dies to save humanity. Last one. The kids might have heard of a movie called Frozen, in which at the film's climax, Anna throws herself in front of the magic sword that's about to hit her sister, allowing herself to be killed, to be turned to ice. Now, she does get saved. Bit of a spoiler. But she doesn't know that she's going to be saved. She, she believes that she is laying down her life to save her sister. You can probably think of other examples. Now, these people are the heroes of the stories in which they appear. Why aren't they the fools of the stories in which they appear? They, they died. They lucked out. They didn't think of themselves. They ended up perishing for the sake of other people. Other people are the ones who benefited. And yet they are the heroes of the story. There's actually not much difference between the people who wrote ancient myths 
and the people who wrote these modern myths. People are pretty much the same. How is it that the hero who lays down his life to save those he loves, or perhaps even to save the world, has always resonated so strongly with us? Well, here's why. Because that's what God is like. That's what your creator is like. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we are God's creatures. And whether we know it or not, this is God's world. It would be a very strange thing indeed if there was nothing about the way that we are made, nothing about our deepest sense of goodness and what real love is, nothing at all that contains the fingerprint of the one who made us. And this is at the heart of it. We were made by a God whose love for us is so great that when we walked away and didn't want to know him, he was prepared to lay down his life for us. That is the truth behind all these myths. It's often the way that myths, although the stories themselves are not true accounts, myths express a great truth to us, something that we all know because we are God's creatures and this is his world. Whether we realize it or not, whether we want it, or not, the God who is revealed to us in Jesus of Nazareth, who died for us, is very near to each of us. And without us even knowing whose voice we are hearing, we can hear him. Almost everyone's favorite Christian author, C.S. Lewis, had something to say about this. Here's the way that he put it. Now, the story of Christ is simply a true myth, a myth working on us in the same way as the others but with this tremendous difference that it really happened. The pagan stories are God expressing himself through the minds of poets, using such images as he found there, while Christianity is God expressing himself through what we call real things. End quote. That is why when we hear and receive the gospel, we aren't accepting something that is alien or foreign. It's the most natural thing that we could do. That piece of the jigsaw that was missing is the perfect fit. It's almost like we always knew, always hoped that there was something that belonged there. And when we hear that it's a God who loves us and who gave his son for us, the response is not, well, that's kind of weird. No, the response is, of course, that's it. If you want it in theological language, it's like Thomas Aquinas said, grace perfects nature. It does not destroy it. In other words, when God calls us to embrace the gift of his son, he's not calling us to abandon our natural humanity and become something else. He's offering us the crown of humanity to embrace all of it, to be what he made us to be. But that raises a question. You see, if it's so natural to accept the love of a self-sacrificial God, then why doesn't everybody do it when they hear about it? Now, there's no simple answer. Well, there are lots of simple answers, but the point is, overall, it's complicated. There are lots of reasons why people don't embrace it when they hear it. Maybe people are genuinely skeptical about the facts. Did Jesus of Nazareth really live among us? Did he die and rise again? We'll hear more about that uh, uh, more about the resurrection on Easter Sunday, of course. But these are good questions. Yeah, they're, they're fair enough questions. And I think that there are good answers to them. And, and actually, the historical Jesus of Nazareth and his death and resurrection stack up surprisingly well. 
surprising to some people anyway, and I've spoken about that before and I'll probably speak about it again. But that's one kind of reason. There are genuine questions about the truth of, of the Christian story. Are these real things, as C.S. Lewis calls them? But there is another reason. You might think of it as a deeper reason. You see, accepting the love of, of this God, accepting the love that God offers us in Jesus of Nazareth is easy, but it's also really hard. You see, it's easy because it's free. And this is what Christians have always said. You don't have to be good enough for God to love and forgive you. Otherwise, we'd, we'd all be in trouble because none of us is perfect, right? It's free. It is a gift. You don't have to be good enough. But it's really, really hard depending on your attitude, on your heart, because the love of God is a, is a promise that comes to you in three words. I forgive you. Think about why that might be a problem. Forgiveness is great, right? It's good to be forgiven. Well, maybe, if you're in a position to accept forgiveness. But it can be devastating. It can be the hardest thing in the world. You know, imagine if you're married that you are fighting with your spouse. Or if you're not married, imagine that you're fighting with your brother or sister or fighting with a friend. There is this almost a war between you. There is this impasse that you feel you cannot cross. You're not even speaking to each other. And then they approach you and say, listen, there's something that I have to say to you. What do you hope it's going to be? Maybe you hope they're going to say that they're sorry and you're right. Right? That'd be nice. Then they open their mouth and they say, I forgive you. Man, that can be the most irritating, annoying, even heartbreaking thing that you could possibly hear. I forgive They forgive me? How dare they? This is why, it's one of the reasons why Jesus said that if you want to be a part of, of this kingdom, if you want to be a part of what he is doing, you have to humble yourself and become like a child. This is, I, I suspect, this is why, or partly why, the brother of James had this insight. You see, James was the brother of Jesus. He grew up with this punk. <laughs> and then he found, finds out that this, I mean, I mean, even if your brothers and sisters are good people, even if they don't do anything wrong, you clash with them. They rub you the wrong way. And then he finds out that his brother is the Messiah. That, that, can't, that can't have been easy. Well, I can imagine how it might not have been easy. And so James had the insight to be able to say, as he does in his letter, the Lord opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The reason God expresses his self-sacrificial love is because we need to be forgiven and reconciled to him. We are wrong. That, rather than historical concerns about facts, is what can make it really hard to accept the love of God. It is humbling. It's humbling when somebody else forgives us, especially when they do it through this kind of self-sacrifice. It's difficult. can be difficult. That's why the gospel is especially sweet. It's good news, but it's especially good news to those who know that they're broken, to those who know that they don't have it together. And so here it is. This is the love of God. That even though we are the ones who need forgiveness, 
He came for us anyway and he gave himself to us, laying down his life, expressing for us a love that we cannot earn, reconciling us to him as we accept his mercy. On this day next week, next Friday, we're going to celebrate Anzac Day. Other countries have Remembrance Day, Veterans Day, or some equivalent day, as we remember the sacrifice made by others. Sometimes on Anzac Day, the verse of Scripture is quite appropriately read, No man has greater love than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Well, 2,000 years ago, the Son of God laid down his life. And whether until now you've regarded yourself as his friend or not, this is for you. So there you have it. That's what you would have heard had you been sitting, or something like it, I do tend to ad-lib, had you been sitting in one of the pews at Broderick Road Chapel on Good Friday 2014. And that's pretty much the end of episode 51. I can't say for sure when the next episode will roll around, but I do know that there will be a couple in July. So if nothing's happened by then, you'll be getting more then. Uh, But until then, or until next time, whenever that may be, uh, I'll sign off. This is Glenn Peoples saying fare thee well from another episode of Shout out to my little friend!